You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories and to leave a comment. Howdy, folks. Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. Today, we're going to take a look at the American buffalo. Now, you see, the uh, buffalo's relationship with man has been so complex and dramatic that it's sometimes difficult for us to really explain. Now, the Indians had explanations. The, For example, the Blackfoot Indians of the northern Great Plains believed that the buffalo once hunted and ate humans. But then the maker of people gave humans bows and flint knives and instructed them to eat the buffalo instead of the other way around. Some Plains tribes did not eat the thymus glands or sweetbreads of buffalo, believing that they were chunks of human flesh still stuck in the buffalo's throat. Now, the Crow tribe, they explained that the humans received the buffalo from giants who rode buffalo but not, did not eat them. The Cheyenne believed that buffalo originated from a magic sack that hung from the logs pole of an Indian who was afraid of geese. Now, the Kiowa, they believed that buffalo were related to the sun. So there's all different, uh, different ideas from the different tribes as to how the buffalo came into existence. But when it comes to the cold buffalo, uh, a lot, there's been a lot of uh, anatomical tricks up their sleeves. If you think about the buffalo, uh, proportionate to body size, the buffalo's trachea is larger than that of any other large land mammal. When it takes a breath of cold air, the air is pre-warmed inside the trachea before it moves down to the animal's lungs. This way, uh, ambient air temperature uh, has been diminished, uh, so it doesn't affect the core temperature of the buffalo, which is actually 101.6 degrees. Now, while buffalo can tolerate the extreme cold, and I've got to admit, folks, most of the time I've seen them uh, up in the Yellowstone area and in the wintertime and in the summer, but Mother Nature does have her ways of toppling down these uh, great beasts in great numbers. Uh, for example, lightning uh, sometimes kills dozens of buffalo in one single zap, leaving their smoldering carcass on the open ground. Near the Great Bend in the Arkansas River, a Sioux War Party watched a tornado overtake a buffalo herd. It deposited the animal's carcasses in a quarter-mile-long row that was stacked several buffalo deep. Now, the Indians said that the air pressure from the tornadoes popped the buffalo's eyeballs out of their sockets. Now, disease killed them. In the 1820s, the Sioux described a great disease that killed almost all of the buffalo in southeast Nebraska. Seven warriors were returning from a war with the Missouri River tribes, and they nearly starved while crossing this corner of the state. They found a dying bull with a swollen and rotting tongue. Now, six of the seven Sioux ate it, and they all died. 
From then on, they referred to 1825 as, quote, when the six died from eating the whistling buffalo. Now, wildfires also killed them. In 1864, a 19-year-old captive of the Oglala Sioux named Fanny Kelly passed through the aftermath of a prairie fire, and she said there were so many buffalo that had fallen victims to the flames. She said that her captors' horses had a hard time pass, passing through this pile. Another man watched a herd of buffalo uh, uh, fleeing from a prairie fire near his camp and witnessed what he says a large number plunge over a steep riverbank and fall hundreds of feet to get dashed on the rocky shoreline. Now, another guy, a Canadian man, uh, was traveling in North Dakota, and he found herds of burned buffalo that were dead and dying, blind, lame, singed and roasted. Uh, he said the wounded were staggering, staggering around. I mean, it must have been a, a horrible sight, uh, sometimes running into uh, rocks and trees. Uh, at other times, they would tumble down a hill and fall into creeks that weren't yet frozen over. He said they got stuck, mired in mud bogs, river bottoms, quicksand, tar pits. In the summer of 1867, a herd of 4,000 buffalo went into the mud at the confluence of the Platte River and Plum Creek, and of that 4,000, only 2,000 came out. The remaining 2,000, uh, which that'd be about 2.5 million pounds of buffalo, joined the riverbed uh, of the river. Now, south of the Platte River, along the Arkansas, an army officer named Dangerfield Parker attempted to stalk a herd of buffalo that were wading in the water. When he got close enough, he realized that the buffalo were perfectly dead, stuck fast in the mud. The carcasses had actually become mummified in the dry prairie air. Now, if that doesn't uh, give you chills up your spine. Now, it's been estimated that accidental deaths from fire, falling, drowning, tornadoes, claim an annual 3.9% of the continent's population of wild buffalo today. That's in today's terms. And, you know, North America was once home to, uh, you know, one to three million accidental buffalo deaths every year. Uh, the Spanish conquistador Coronado was perhaps the first European to witness the aftermath uh, wrought by the mixture of American buffalo and large bodies of water. In 1540, he was traveling the American Great Plains, and he encountered a mound of buffalo bones piled along what he says is the leeward edge of a lake. His men estimated the mound of bones to be 18 feet wide, as tall as two men, and about as long as a crossbow shot, maybe 400 or 500 yards. Now, that's a lot of bones to be in one place. Now, while Coronado was treated to an image of cleaned and bleached bones, a lot of the other explorers witnessed sights and smells of drowned buffalo that were not so appetizing. In May of 1795, the fur trader John McDonald descended the Cuapel River and spent a day counting dead buffalo that were either floating in the river or mired along the banks. By the time he made camp for the night, his count had reached 7,360 dead buffalo. 
In several places, McDonnell uh, got out and walked across the carcasses. I don't know what made him do that. But he remarked that the animals were stacked three to five deep. Now, another guy, John Bradbury, a Scottish-born botanist who traveled the Missouri River in 1811, spotted his first drowned buffaloes on April 2nd when he was 240 miles upstream from St. Louis. Two weeks later, writes Bradbury, quote, we began to notice more particularly the great number of drowned buffaloes that were floating on the river. Vast numbers of them were also thrown ashore and upon the rafts on the points of the islands. Now, here we go again. In 1829, a guy named Sir George Simpson saw, quote, as many as 10,000 of their putrid carcasses lying mired in a single ford of the Saskatchewan and contaminating the air for many miles around. I, I can't hardly imagine that. I, you know, you folks that have been out in the country and just smell one dead cow, I mean, this had to be pretty bad. Well, the German explorer and ethnologist Prince Maximilian traveled up the Missouri River in the early 1830s. He wrote of how, quote, whole herds were often drowned in the Missouri and described places where 1,800 or more dead buffalo were connected in some of the sloughs, which would be like a swamp of the river. Along the Red River, another traveler noted, quote, drowned buffalo continue to drift by in whole herds throughout the month. Toward the end, for two days and nights, their dead bodies formed one continuous line in the current. He watched thousands come to rest against the banks. It smelled so bad <laughs> that he refused to eat his dinner. I can't imagine. Uh, anyway, and he wondered if uh, he was witnessing a rare tragedy. Well, when he put the question to his Indian guides, they told him that every spring this was about the same. This is how it happened. Well, all of these drowned buffalo carcasses had dramatic effect on the ecology of large rivers. Can you imagine that happening today? Along the Missouri River, the annual, quote, runs of dead buffalo were an important part of the environmental cycle. People passing near Great Falls, Montana, reported congregations of grizzly bears gathering there in the spring to feed on downed, drowned buffalo that came over the falls and got bashed against the rocks. John Bradbury described how the carcasses on the Missouri, quote, attracted an immense number of turkey buzzards. Prince Maximilian reported that many of the river's islands were formed by the collection of silt against rafts of drowned buffalo. Other explorers watched living buffalo uh, cross the river on mushy bridges made from the bodies of drowned buffalo. Still others claimed to see the entire river damned by accumulation of these breached carcasses. Now, the Blackfoot term for buffalo jump is pishkun, which translates roughly to deep blood kettle. And uh, I've talked about these buffalo jumps where uh, the Indians obviously uh, have a, quite a knack for running buffalo over uh, cliffs and uh, 
This was done by quite a few uh, Indians across the Northwest. I've actually been uh, attended one up in Canada. It's called the Smashed In Head Buffalo Jump. And folks, if you're ever up that direction, it's not very far up into Canada. And I would highly recommend they have a visitor center there. And it is a great place to visit. But uh, I'll talk again about buffalo jumps uh, in more detail uh, sometime later. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed this, another story from Dr. History. And, oh, by the way, I am getting through my book. I have my editor helping me, and I'm about two-thirds of the way through it. I hope to have it ready maybe by May. I plan to release it as an audio, digital, and a written book uh, to release all at the same time. So, Anyway, something to look forward to. I hope uh, to get it done by at least the first of the summer. So, folks, until next week, we'll talk to you later.